What's going on, everybody? My name is Matt. And I'm Gabe. And welcome to another episode of the TentacleBot Podcast. And today we've got something that both Gabe and I were actually pretty hyped on going into it. Gabe, why don't you intro it? That we were. We were going to be talking about the new Sabaton album, The War to End All Wars. Uh, this album was released on Nuclear Blast Records on March 4th, 2022. And uh, it is going to be a concept album uh, about World War One, And this is actually the second concept album they've done about World War One. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So the, uh, the, the, the Great War, which is the album that released before this in 2019 was also all about World War One. Okay. And that one focused a little bit more on like the the bigger, more glamorous stories. Mm-hmm. So things like the Red Baron or uh, yeah. the Fields of Verdun and that kind of thing, which again, that album is amazing front to back. Oh. All right, I'm I'm going to I'm going to preface this here. I am a really big Sabaton fan. Yes, you are. They are one of my favorite bands of all time to see live. They put on one of the most amazing shows, and they are one of the only bands that I will travel to another country to see, because I want to see their European uh, their European set because they do something completely different because they can't legally do it here in the United States. Oh, they they basically, from my understanding, they have like a live tank that comes on stage and stuff Bro. like that. And there's obviously legal laws Bro. and transporting a tank and stuff like yeah. that and customs and whatnot. That being said, I love these guys so much. Mm-hmm. They are phenomenal. Um, so where was I? Uh, <laughs> uh, so they did the Great War, which is all about World War One, and they they uh, were quoted in an Apple Music interview saying that we felt that there were several stories we were leaving behind on the last album, uh, and they they wanted to cover them. They just didn't have the right music at the time. So started touring. Everybody loved the album, obviously. Then COVID hit, so they're like, "Well, we got the time. Let's do it again." Yeah. And so basically, the War to End All Wars came out. Um, I'm going to stop talking for a minute because I know I'm going to continue gushing on and gushing on. So, Matt, why don't you just give me your first impressions on this Absolutely. Album. First impressions, I was immediately hooked. I, it literally, it's the, you know, the, f- <laughs> the fisherman threw the, threw the bait out, and I, I bit it immediately. I was, I was gone. Um, I love this thing Im- immediately, and... Um, as I told Gabe, and I'm going to kind of just spoil it now, like, this is album of the year for me as of this current moment. Like, this album was that good. Um, and I guess I honestly can really just jump right... Well, before you do that, um, yeah, I realized I forgot to mention the members of the band. Uh, so the members of the band are going to be Joaquin Broden on lead vocals, additional guitars, and keyboards. Uh, Par Sundstrom. Uh, and mind, mind you, these guys are from Sweden, so I'm gonna butcher these for sure uh but anyway Pars sundstrom is on bass and backing vocals chris rorland on guitars and backing vocals hans van dahl on drums and backing vocals and tommy johansson on guitars and backing vocals and uh yeah my, my first impressions are really kind of the same mm-hmm. but they're like i went in with high expectations and as sabaton never disappoints this album did not disappoint me right um, I don't have anything further to say other than that. <laughs> yeah, and just kind of jumping in, and Gabe, please do correct me if I'm wrong, um, but when I was listening to it, because of the epic nature of the sound, is the first thing I thought of was power metal. It's very yep. much, it's just like power metal, except it's a little bit more of the brooding side. It's not quite as like, ha, you know, that kind of like really high pitch, high energy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was definitely a very dark air to it, and especially being that it's about World War One, and they really... Really hit a lot of the the notes on the head with this album. 
Yeah, the Sabaton is just they're a conceptual band to mm-hmm. begin with. Like that's all they write about is war, the art of war, different battles, different uh, heroes in those battles, and so on. And so this is just kind of a concept album within a concept band. Yeah, and you are very correct. Like there's dark elements to it because it is about one of the worst things mankind does mm-hmm. to each other. But at the same time, they also deliver them with such like respect and honor in in their kind of delivery of oh, it. Oh, absolutely! And that's something that they carry on throughout themselves with their interviews. Like this isn't just stuff that they sing and write about. Like they all love this stuff. Yeah, and so they they're extremely knowledgeable and they're they tread very appropriately mm-hmm. in regards to them. Like they give respect and credit where they're due. Because no matter what side of the war people were on, like there's still innocent human beings that are fighting and killing yeah. in the name of their country. And so like they respect that and they will sing about Germans, they'll sing about the Russians, mm-hmm. they'll sing about uh, the Americans and everybody in between, regardless of what side that they were on. And I, I can really appreciate that about them, that they're not just focusing on what their upbringing told them to perceive as heroes. Yeah. And it, um, just to get kind of a little bit of background for myself is one of the things that really, I think really added to why I like this record so much is growing up, like as a, as a kid, a little bit into my teenage years, probably up until I was about 16, is I was a big buff with a lot of like military history. So like the um, history behind like some of the like units for the U.S. military. So like Navy SEALs, for example, like I was super into their history um even firearms history so like this was also kind of in the realm of stuff that i really find interesting Mm -hmm. so being able to have that additional like being there is i i just felt like a kid in a candy store listening to this i was absolutely ecstatic for sure um i I feel like we've kind of already brushed on things lyrically on this album like it's just telling stories and i'm gonna be going through as i mentioned earlier they did an interview with apple uh music apple music uh, I'm going to be reading exactly what they said through for each song just mm-hmm. because it does provide the context uh, about what it is that they're writing. Um, so I'll, I'll get a little bit more into like the lyrical content later. Um, but before we jump into the actual album, uh, let's talk about the, uh, the album art. So we've got the band's logo um, in a pretty decent size. It probably takes up about a quarter of the picture. Um, And that's going to be along the top. And then down at the bottom is it's going to have a... um, very nicely designed the war to end all wars down on the bottom in the middle um it reminds there's a a movie franchise that that reminds me of a lot just the way that the font was done um but the actual photograph is it's a deserted uh very rundown looking house uh and a soldier who had come in and is laying deceased um, and you can see two ravens, one of them sitting on the arm, essentially calling at the uh, soldier. And then we see the other raven looking like it's trying to like flutter down onto him. Um, and we see the rifle of the soldier sitting along his lap. There's a newspaper to his right. And then you can see kind of in the background, there's a, like a skeleton. It looks like a, on a, some sort of a pole. Uh, kind of in the back through the doorway, and then over to the right side, we see another rundown building and just kind of like the dark sky. Um, it really, what it is, is it's just hitting th- what the atmosphere of it was, especially if you kind of look at 
pictures of the trenches and what they were trying, really them kind of maneuvering through the war zone. Like it it just hits the nail right on the head and it just ties in perfectly. Yeah. I I feel like it also works really well with um, the great war, which is the album beforehand, which kind of has a similar setup on it, but um, it's kind of like a soldier with his face, with his face in his hands, kind of just like, this is terrible because world war one was so ruthless and brutal. Mm -hmm. And then with, with War to End All Wars, um, a couple of things that I wanted to touch on here. So the the soldier that's the, the main focus here on the album art, um, he's laying across some barbed wire, uh, which barbed wire was very prominent in mm-hmm. World War II, uh, World War I. Um, the newspaper that's on his, that's laying across his lap and on his gun, like it has war in, the, in big letters and then in really small letters, I think it says war resolution, uh, but it's really small and I can't read it. The other war that's off, or the other uh, newspaper that's off the side, um, is another one that has the headline "Great War Ends," mm-hmm. and I feel like that's kind of like a, a good call to like what this album is really about. Is it's finishing up those the small times yeah. before they move on to their next thing. Um, also noting, I didn't even notice the skeleton in the background uh, when you <laughs> before you had mentioned that, but looking a little bit closer, you can see on both sides that like there's depictions of battle and people running in with bayonets and everything oh like that. yeah well, yeah no it, it's really cool because then you have like the doorway uh yep. but actually if you look into what is that clouded areas that's that battle you see a bunch of bunch of soldiers running it almost looks like they're both running or crawling through the the dirt and mud and everything so likely to Death's doorway, mm-hmm. which I would assume is what the that's the okay there's a lot of really strong symbolism here and like these guys yeah. just which they've it they've always done because mm-hmm. like the Great War has a the, a similar thing too where the the clouds of everything going up behind him is all clouds filled with skulls and stuff like that just signifying the death and destruction that happens in a yeah. war. But yeah, so with that, uh, without further ado, we'll go ahead and jump into the uh, track by track breakdown on this one, uh, and we start off with Stormtroopers. Matt, why don't you go ahead and start us off, bro? We in it to <laughs> win it. Like, oh my god, I. I, I was trying to go in. W- I I really didn't have much um, kind of background with Sabaton. Um, I know Gabe and I just in personal conversations and talk quite a bit about him, and I know he's gushed about them for some time. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't. I was just kind of like, you know, we're just gonna go in. I'm not not entirely sure what's gonna happen. Oh, was I in for a <laughs> beautifully pleasant surprise? It's. The the very epic nature um, that I kind of uh, kind of stated along with like what power metal is was made apparent from the get go, um, and you you definitely get the the picture and you actually feel like you're almost immersed in the battle like in a. I, I'm trying to be very careful because this is such a, a sensitive historical event and there was a lot of things, but like you, you feel like the music is telling the story so well that you can kind of see and feel mm-hmm. to some extent what was happening. And I think that's that's really what this band did. It communicates the emotions really mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um so the uh Joaquin Broden is the one who had given the Apple Music interview. He says for Stormtroopers uh, quote, many people have written us, you should make a song about Star Wars. But in this case, we were talking about German shock troops or stormtroopers and these smaller elite groups of soldiers that developed a faster form of war- warfare. The Austro-Hungarian Empire had the Jaegers. The Italians were experimenting with the Arditi soldiers, but the stormtroopers are the classic example. 
this is the first proper song on the album with a faster double kick drum start to get things going. And like that that is exactly what it is. Yeah. And it's it leads the end of the album. You know exactly what you're gonna be getting out of this album, and it, it was a solid start to it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Following Stormtroopers is Dreadnought. Um, I don't have too much to say about this. It fits perfectly. It's a really strong backup to Stormtroopers. Uh, but even with as much as I listen to the record, is I can't quite pick pick this song out from memory, um, as opposed to some of the other ones where they just stick out so much. Mm-hmm. And I'll definitely make sure to point those ones out. Um, Gabe, I, would you be able to give us some more kind of context since you got that uh, review or interview? Of course, yeah. So uh, he says, quote, This is one of my favorites on the album, both musically and the topic itself. The song sounds like it could have been done by Sabaton in 2005 or 2008 or now, but it's not like a copy of anything else we've done. So it's weird how it feels very Sabaton, but feels but, but very timeless at the same time. We usually write about the human side of warfare, but sometimes a piece of technology is such a game changer. So we did a song about the Dreadnought battleship in the Battle of Jutland. The name of the ship says it all, Fear Nothing. And that's basically kind of, I, I very much agreed with him. Like this mm-hmm. song definitely sounds like it would have come off of Art of War or Heroes or the Great War. Like it, it, it's, it follows every Sabaton thing to a T. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not uh, personally a huge fan of the song just because there is so many better options for me on this record. Yeah. But I definitely agree with where he's coming from. And the, like you said, like they do talk about the human side of things in a lot. Which a lot of this record is, but like songs like this song or the Bismarck or th- things of that nature, like where they talk about really more just the the technology or the 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 vehicle that war moved with um, mm-hmm. is kind of a, a neat aspect that they do sometimes. Well, and I, I think just uh, just looking at the history of it is you can't really tell stories of war without including the technological improvements that were brought in with it so like you know the improvement of firearms for example oh, or for sure the vehicles so it, it, it makes sense that they would do this for sure and th- this is really more about like the actual unit itself it's not so much about like what the people did with it i mean obviously they had the, they reference more about the Battle of Jutland in here. Yeah. But, like, this is really more about the effect that this mechanical piece had on it as opposed to an individual hero or a Mm. a group of people or anything like that. Okay. Uh, Moving on, we go into track three with The Unkillable Soldier. And uh, I'll start off this one with the the interview. We have, quote, Adrian Carton de Wiart was a Belgian-born and fighting for the British in World War I, but also had fought earlier in the Boer War and further back. He was almost like a comic book character, this over-the-top super soldier who just wouldn't die no matter what the enemy threw at him. He's one of the craziest people I've ever read about, so we decided to do something different for him. It's a playful song somehow. Mm -hmm. Personally, I have a love-hate with this song. Um, A lot of this one feels like it's the same thing that they've done in the past, which is fine. Like It's not bad by any means, but it's just kind of a little bit of a rehash for me, and that's why like i'm not a huge fan but that being said the solo in this one is phenomenal yeah i love this solo so much <laughs> yeah no and th- the solos just really throughout the entire record are un- unbelievably great and this um, was if i'm not mistaken i believe it was single number two okay i'll, I'll double check that but no, I, you're totally it's fine. single two or single three I'm yeah, because as I'm looking through the lyrics, is un- unfortunately like I I listened to this record a, a number of times and loved it, but 
this is just another one of the ones that I, I'm having a hard time being able to pick out. Um, I can hear the chorus of another song, but it doesn't seem to be lining up with this one. It's a it's another really strong addition to the album, and it fits for the kind of context of what it is. It's just if I were to try and go specifically based on memory, um, I also haven't listened to any of the songs in at least 12 hours. So um, but it, it's just not it's not screaming out to yeah. me. But I, I st- this is not a song I would skip over by yeah. any means. And I was incorrect. It is single number three. Gotcha. OK. Uh, single number two, however, is going to be the next song. Which is Soldier of Heaven. This is tied for number one song for me. Okay, I, I respect it. I can't. I can't get enough of this chorus. And looking at just how the chorus is, um, and you kind of look at how. And I'm gonna I'm, again. I'm gonna try not to misspeak for any reason. And th- this may be clarified in the interview that they had done with Apple Music. Would you like me to read that first? Yes. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> uh, so, Soldier of Heaven. A quote on the Great War. We didn't. We felt we didn't represent the Southern Front so well. We were sort of getting lost in the Red Baron and all the low hanging fruit. So we decided to dive into the events in the Alps on White Friday and how soldiers are still to this day frozen up there, not yet dug out because we don't know where they are. I think late last year, archaeologists found another site up there. So this song is a tribute to the fallen that never came home. That's okay. Um, So it's definitely a different context than what I was thinking. Um, The how I kind of interpreted it and it's, this is very much taking it at face value is if you look at how, and I think it might be really just more how war is kind of presented in media is these soldiers are kind of, you know, very much presented in a, like, I can, I will be immortal if I'm able to like do, do whatever I need to do for the war. And I having that presented in the chorus and as epic of a way to do it is you definitely feel it's almost as if the soldier is almost trying to hype himself up to be able to go and do what he needs he or she needs to do in the war to try and bring everybody home like that's kind of. That is not it at all. Yeah, no, no, that's and that's 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 how what I had taken. I also didn't do any of the background searching. Like I was, I literally just soaked in the album, just audio wise, mm-hmm. and again, just loved this. Yeah. Uh, before we move on from the Unkillable Soldier, one thing I wanted to mention, uh, or sorry, on, Soldier yeah. of Heaven, uh, I wanted <laughs> to mention about the Unkillable Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that it reminded me a lot of is the song Primo Victoria. Okay. Uh, which is another one of their songs, but it's um, one of the songs that they do live. One of the most fun things to do live because it has kind of that same like triple B, like that. So like when they're doing it, like through the gates of hell, we march our way to heaven through the Nazi line, Victoria. And like when I saw that live, like the whole room was up and down. It was such a good experience. But that's why I have the Unkillable Soldier is kind of. Uh, if for me because like yeah. if they had to pick between the two they're going to pick Primo Victoria every time because yeah. it's so much better oh 100% anyway Soldier of Heaven fantastic song I love it as well mm-hmm. um, it's not in my top it's definitely in my top it's not in my tied for top okay one because full disclosure Matt and I we, we don't know what each other's tops are but uh, we both have one that's tied for number one. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but I, I definitely respect this being one of your top because it, it's definitely up it's there a, for me. It's a strong song. Following that one is Hellfighters. I, I mean, like the 
backstory on this one probably mm-hmm. the most, um, just because it's one of those things that you're never taught in school. Yeah. Um, so with this one, it's quote the three three the three. Hmm, words are hard. <laughs> words are indeed very hard. Quote the 369th Regiment were the Harlem Hellfighters, the African American and Puerto Rico Puerto Rican unit. Back in those days, the Americans wouldn't really want to fight with them, so they were sort of handed off to the French, who were called who called them the Men of Bronze. They were the unit served the longest at the front line. Obviously, people in World War One f- were in World War One for a long time, but you'd rotate in and out of the front every week or two. But these guys were there for six months, and that's just brutal. And you want a heavy metal song title? It doesn't get much better. No, no, <laughs> that's that. It's such a good battle song name, it, and it, it really is. And like, it just kind of goes to show that, like, because we um, there was the the winged hussars, I believe, in World War Two. Um, that was kind of the same thing that they were the regiment, I believe it was from Harlem as well. That mm-hmm. was the um the flying aces. Yeah. Basically. And it kind of just goes to show that like no matter how poorly we've treated African Americans in the past, especially at this time where Jim Crow is still basically in effect, we're forty, fifty years outside of uh slavery mm-hmm. finally being abolished after the yeah. Civil War. Um and they still, even after how poorly they were treated, they were still willing to fight for the country that they were in. Like, it just kind of goes to show how much respect and how much honor these guys had yeah. for it. And I feel like the song really does them justice. It's, it's a solid song. Yeah, no, and it, it, it very much is. And I'm looking at the uh, the lyrics of the song and uh, just looking at the, the opening verse and uh, what looks like the chorus is, From a land across the ocean to the western front where they served, fought with courage and devotion, preconcept preconceptions turned as the spring offensive kept churning where the men would earn their name see the tides of battle turning and their foes ignite their flame hear the toll of the bell kept fighting for six months in hell as the war rages on they fight at the edge of the argon like it's they really just tuned in told the story and were able to tell it in a very poetic way Mm -hmm. that that really you know brings brings a lot of and shows a lot of respect for those guys uh, the song is just mint oh yeah it, it, it's top tier yeah uh moving on we have race to the sea uh this one is uh, about king albert of belgium refusing refused to surrender even when he had only about five percent of belgium left to command so he decided to flood the area to prevent it from falling to German hands. Then he fought shoulder to shoulder with his men, and he even had his 12-year-old son at the front delivering messages. For a sovereign to be actively involved in a fighting, in, to be actively involved in fighting at this time was unheard of. Mm-hmm. Which, props to Belgium. Belgium, they make good chocolate, they make good waffles, and they got dope leaders. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, no, this this song's fantastic. I definitely gravitated quite a bit towards this one. Yeah, this, I, I was hooked immediately on it, and especially, the really cool thing about this one is the straight-up reference to a date in actual time when they, um with the line, A Cog in the War Machine, October of 1914. They do that a lot, actually. Yeah. In their, um, in the so I'm, lo- like, just looking at this song is, there's one, two, three different references of 1914, and I think that was really good for especially the first listen is trying to be able to figure out the time era without actually having had a chance to deeper dive into it. And the chorus on this one is another one of those just very epic, very cat, uh, very catchy, very sing along type things. And 
I this is a band I want to see live. Like this this record was unbelievable. For sure. Yeah. This one here isn't really a big hit for me on the album, mm-hmm. but that's just because of a few of the songs that are coming up. And uh, I, I guess without further ado, we'll go into one of my favorites on the album, Lady of the Dark. And I'm going to assume this is my other one. This is my other one. Yeah. This song is so good. Uh, so this one, quote, Milunka Savic, um, I'm going to mispronounce this one, Milunka Savic is probably the most decorated female soldier of all time. She took her brother's place going into war and was known as the badass with grenades. Mm-hmm. She dressed like a man in the beginning, but eventually she dropped this pretense after being wounded. This song is just, it's such a riling up song. Oh, wait, it, it's it so 100%. Good. Like the chorus is so... What I really liked about this one is you get the chorus and it's raise your hand for the lady of the dark soldier with no ill, excuse me, soldier with no will to kill with a philanthropic heart forever. Break the norm. She's the girl in uniform fighting side by side with men. She will fight until the end. So it's like, okay, like, bro, this is, this is lit. And then you come in and he, the, um, you said Joaquin's his first name. Joaquin, yeah. For the okay, Joaquin. So you hear him, and he does the the same the same tone for the raise your hand for the Lady of the Dark. Then they come back and they just shoot it up. Yeah, and they uh, I, make a key change. God. They do a lot of key changes in their songs, which is like very um, stereotypical of power metal. Yeah, but it works. Oh, <laughs> the, it worked just unbelievably well, especially for the final chorus of this one. They went hard, and I love it. Yeah, this is definitely another song that I can see them playing live. It's fantastic. Oh, they if they're not playing it live, I'm going to be really sad. Yeah. <sighs> Following that is The Valley of Death. I love the backstory on this one. Oh, I'm, hit me with so it. So the backstory on this one is, quote, This is the Bulgarians and British fighting it out again and again at the Battle of Doiron. Uh, the British finally got through on their third or fourth attempt, and when they got there, the Bulgarians were gone. After the war, the British considered the Bulgarian commander, Vladimir Vazov, a true gentleman opponent. They actually invited him to do a guest lecture at the military college, and he went over to the UK several times after the war. Like, basically, this guy just, like, he recognized he was defeated, and so instead of trying to fight tooth and nail and kill everybody they could, mm-hmm. they're just, they're, they're done. Like, we, we recognize that we were defeated. Well, we just move on. This is just the way it is. There's no more reason for innocent blood to be shed. Yeah. And I, I, I love this story. Yeah. No, that that's a fantastic and the story. And the song is so good. This song's really good. So when I had referenced a little bit earlier in the cast where I was I was sitting there thinking of a part from a different song, it was, it was literally actually from this. It was the they attack, Bulgaria held them back, unleashed their counter barrage. Mm-hmm. And like how smooth Joaquim's voice is in this song it ju- it works like just funny because he doesn't really have a smooth voice <laughs> no it, it it's not but it you just sit there and you just are like this is it, it's a even with its kind of like dirtiness and kind of discussing this especially with what the album's about it's still just very very pleasant on the ears mm-hmm. absolutely uh moving into one of the final tracks on the album we have christmas truce so with this one here, the story is uh, on Christmas Eve 1914, on several places, places along the Western Front, soldiers on both sides waved the white flag and played football and drank beer together. This was actually several unconnected events where they decided, let's not kill each other today. They even sang songs, sang Christmas carols, and showed each other pictures of their loved ones. 
and then they had to go back to killing each other only a few hours later. That makes it so much harder when you realize you have a lot more in common with your enemy that you supp- with your enemy than you supposed. Mm-hmm. This this was very much because I I think I remember from learning just in history mm-hmm. this event specifically and. This one is is a real just right at the heartstrings. It's it's a very beautiful beautiful piece. I remember initially listening to it and I was like, wait, are they actually just like playing a Christmas carol? So it took me took me by surprise by it. They wrote a, a Christmas song without writing a Christmas song. Exactly. Like, I feel like that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Well, and initially it almost sounded like um, at the beginning it sounded a lot like Carol of the Bells. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, wait, are they? I was like, this kind of doesn't make sense. But then once the actual song kicked in and because of what the story it was telling, I was like, okay, yeah, this this makes a lot more sense. And especially such an isolate, not not an isolated event, but such a specific event and being able to do it this well, it's mad props. This is right behind my two songs for Tide. Like, this is number three for me. Really? Mm-hmm. So I, uh, full disclosure, I hate Christmas music. Same to to no end, and so that's why this one here is kind of dragging me along a greater. Yeah, like I I love the source material. I feel like they did a really good job with it, and I feel like if it wasn't for me personally having such an issue with Christmas music, I'd probably enjoy this one a lot. That's more. That's understandable. But uh, otherwise, like there, there's nothing wrong with the song. This is 100 percent something wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. Yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, with that being said, though, we're gonna go on to what is my second favorite song, or my like tied for my okay, next yeah, song on the no, album. This I I completely respect this because th- this is falling really really close behind Christmas Truce for me, and it, it it's just a perfect way to end the album. And I'm gonna let you go with the the interview because like I can pretty much give like my knowledge of what it is, but I I'd, I'd rather hear them say it. Yeah. So the final song is Versailles. Uh, quote, this one sort of loops back on Sarajevo. They're brother and sister in a way, but this isn't an outro and it's not a song. It's something in between. The treaty at Versailles ended the world ended World War One, which seen which was seen as a war to end all wars. But this poses the question, can a war really end all war? Mm-hmm. And I love this one for a few different reasons. Um, first, the major key chorus that they do is super gung-ho, super happy, super mm-hmm. cool. Then they make it minor in, into a minor key and it goes into like this really brooding question, like can a war actually end war? And uh, will a war really end all war? A war can't end all war. And um, I, I just, I I love the question because it was one of those things that like people genuinely thought that this was just the war to end all war. We wouldn't want to do this again. And in reality, we did it again 20 years later. Yeah. And, um, well, for, for good reason, but <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> no, uh, bad Nazi Germany, but, um, yeah, it, it just, it's one of those things that like, we kind of talk about it at this time and, and they, they go into it with the song. So the, the, one of the other things that I really like about this song too, is the, the narrating voice that happens in there is a kind of a callback to like what they did on art of war, which art of war featured, I believe the same female vocal. But okay. I, I'm not 100% certain, but it basically it features a female that's reading through a lot of the different, um, uh, not prophecies, but uh, philosophies is, yeah. is the word I'm looking for through like uh, Sun Tzu's Art of War. Oh, yeah, yeah. And which is right on par with what Sabaton does. So like they had different parts of that in, interlaid throughout the entire record. And so this one really kind of felt a lot like that. And they also, every time they release an album, they 
usually will do a historical version of it Mm -hmm. where it'll have something like this where it'll talk about like what it is that's happening in the battle and in the song and then it goes into the song so this was kind of like a halfway house in between that where we have them talking about what it is they introduced the treaty of versailles they introduced that uh people went back they went back to their own lives but there was war that was brooding underground Mm -hmm. and it kind of goes back into it and yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is about this. Like, I just can't get enough of this song. Yeah. It, it's one that I'm just constantly like, oh, it's over, and repeat again. Yes. And repeat again. And yeah. repeat again. <laughs> yeah, and with the, the, the lyrics for the chorus specifically, and like you were kind of saying is, really the way that they were able to present the chorus was, um, I know this is going to be a different time period, but it's going to exude a lot of similar feelings because I'd imagine the people who were experiencing this were feeling this. But the famous photograph of the sailor who is um, kissing the uh, woman in the streets after I think it was I think it was World War Two. Correct. Um, so like, there's the confetti. Everybody's celebrating. That air was very much brought into this chorus, and so that way you could really, it really felt like, yeah, well, it felt like a celebration, and, yeah, and not like the potentially sexually assaulty way that that photo, yeah, may have come out. I don't remember actually the the like behind that. I feel like it came out that it was a sexual assault. We're we're not get, we're not yeah. gonna go down that rabbit hole, but like, just because that's the, the feeling, easiest frame it, of reference and like, the the feeling because it was like obvious, or like when Captain America came back in Captain like the first Captain Bingo. America movie, and where like everybody was like all celebrating, mm-hmm. they threw up their hats and their helmets and stuff like yeah. that, like kind of like a graduation. It's just a very celebratory song that I feel like is just. It, it, it's right up there with just like their really anthemic choruses yeah. that they're known for. And it, it very much would be a really good song for like closing out a show. Like it, it, it uh, fits perfectly. But the um, the verse when you were kind you had kind of brought up a little bit and I'll actually read it where it, it kind of the prophesizing, but it was, it was both specific, but n- um, not specific to what would end up happening 20 years later. And mm-hmm. it reads, A fragile but hopeful peace falls upon the European continent. America returns to their shores. Russia tend to their own matters. And the British Empire disbands their colonial forces. Parades are being held in victorious countries. The war that would end all wars is over, but not everyone agrees. In the underground, something is growing in the dark because for some, the war never ended. War will never entirely die. It will evolve. It will change. And war will return sooner than we think. And when I first heard that and really processed it is how that, that kind of prophesizing where, like, you know, with the hindsight's twenty twenty, and being able to kind of look at it as like, yes, we we had a good reason to celebrate then, but unfortunately, what we thought we were celebrating was going to end up kind of falling apart for everybody because World War Two happened. That start was it in thirty nine was when that officially started. Yeah, it was September of thirty nine when uh, Germany about, invaded Poland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because basically, like, they allude to a lot of things in there. Like, America returns to its shores. We come back over. We have our Roaring Twenties. It's all mm-hmm. great until we hit the Great Depression. The 
Russians go and become communist. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> uh, that was right. That was right, really in there in the middle of their Almost like, Russian Revolution. After. Yeah, yeah. It based, I think Russian Revolution started in 1917. That, that so sounds really about testing right. My yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So it, Russians went back. They became communist. Uh, Britain decided to start letting go of a lot of their colonies and mm-hmm. stuff like that, which was part of the part of the Treaty of Versailles. But like ultimately, like Germany got mega shafted when it came to that because like realistically yeah. they weren't the catalyst of the war and depending on how you look at things i mean the war broke out because of the assassination of franz ferdinand yes the germans were on the side of franz ferdinand mm-hmm. we were on the side of the serbian who assassinated him so technically we kind of roped in on the wrong side in terms of that particular event yeah and, and that was something that i never understood uh, until relatively recently so it, it's one of those things and it, it Obviously, isn't that we weren't there because we wanted the France assassinated. We were got roped in because of a bunch of different secret uh, treaties and alliances, which is what well, I think there was. The well, that Lusitania was, of, was really like that was the wasn't that the ultimate catalyst that America said like yeah, dude, like we're we're getting into this. I don't remember exactly that. That one's a little bit foggy in my memory, but basically, like World War One happened because of all these secret alliances that everybody had with all these different countries mm-hmm. that just cascaded because like once this person declared war here, then these these this country declared war on this country, and then this country declared war on that country because they declared war on this country and this country, and it just kind of spiraled out of control. So Treaty of Versailles prevented that again, and then that's why uh, it was League of Nations was uh, developed, I believe. I honestly, so not going to lie, I kind of hope that like in the future is we i almost feel like we should revisit this but like do some history like find out more history yeah, related and not, to not World try War. and remember a high school Dude, class <laughs> serious, like literally i'm sitting here trying to like churn through just like hey magic the gathering knowledge pokemon knowledge yeah, ba- into, basically hey look here's history yeah it, it, so anyway basically I, I, if i remember correctly i'm probably gonna get this wrong but i think it was league of nations that woodrow wilson had installed mm-hmm. um that, that was a, a big part of, and it was like part of his like 14 point plan or something like that. That was kind of like the precursor to NATO. Yeah, so that's it was sounds... preventing the secret alliances to prevent that happening again. And the only reason World War II really happened again is because Germany went nuts. Yeah. And obviously, with Hitler at the helm, like they just kind of began going off and, and going crazy and stuff yeah. like that. And we're not really a history podcast, so I'm going to kind of, kind of stop this right yeah, here. Yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so th- that is going to do it for the track by track breakdown on this one. And uh, we'll, we'll, without further ado, we'll just go ahead and give it our rating. We do a rating on a scale of one to eight tentacles, with one being bad, uh, one being escape the fate, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and eight being about as best as it can be. And uh, Matt, I-, I have a pretty good guess at what you're going to be saying here. Mutated octopus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's going to be eight out of eight for both of us. Like, yeah, hundred percent. Th- this album is definitely one that you don't skip a song. You listen to on repeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Great War was the same for me. Heroes was the same for me. The Last Stand was the same for me. Like these guys just don't put out a bad album. No, no. And honestly, like because of how much I like this, is I definitely plan to go back to their older stuff. And especially with like Great War tying into a the similar theme, and you know, being being both about World War One is I I'm definitely interested. Between the two, I like the stories on this one more. But okay. I like the the actual like music and everything of of Great War better. Okay. No, I not respect to say that. that this one isn't good. Just that one has so much more for it for me yeah 
And before we jump into our hidden track, um, unfortunately, we weren't able to record an episode last week, uh, but I figured we'd take a minute to talk about the uh, the episode that we were going to end up recording, which was Bad Omens and the release of The Death of Peace of Mind, which released through Sumerian uh, Records? I believe it was Sumerian. Uh, I don't know. I've been pre-gaming for the Cannibal Corpse concert, and I'm <laughs> trying to find the album. <laughs> I think Sumerian sounds right. Uh, but we'll just do kind of a quick It little... was Sumerian. It was released on February 25th of 2022. You're a gem. Um, we'll just kind of just jump right into it. I... I went into it with really high hopes. I know I talked about it quite a bit with Hidden Tracks, especially with their singles coming out. And really, those were the best parts of the album. Um, I was really disappointed that there weren't more heavy portions of it. The only song that was really heavy throughout was Artificial Suicide, mm -hmm. which I believe was the first single off of the record. And I think that's really what kind of uh, set up that kind of uh, idea that it was going to be a heavier record. Then they put out songs like The Grey and Like a Villain, which were a lot softer. So I was like, okay, they're just kind of trying to show that they can do other things. But no, I was I was a bit disappointed in that front. Yeah, this was one. Um, I started listening to it and I immediately hated it. And then the more and more I listened to it, the less I hated it. Yeah. It's still not a super great album for me, but I appreciate it a lot more than when I first listened to it. Yeah. No, I'm, um, I'm similar. There's there's a lot of elements of things like Anne Berlin and Hands Like Houses that are mixed in with kind of like heavier portions. And like mm -hmm. I can respect the drive that they're going for, but the way that this album felt to me, it, it kind of felt like what the plot in you could have gone to if they hadn't gone the heavier route. Yeah. Because, like, they were originally a metalcore band, and they kind of started teetering off, and when they came out with Dispose, it was more of, like, a poppy album. Yeah. This feels like the direction they would have gone if they had gone full softer yeah. instead of going uh, in, into uh, a swan song like yeah. they did. No, and that that's a, that's a really good way to describe it. And, like, it, it's cool being able to hear a heavier band that's able to kind of blend the popular elements with the the heavier elements. But this, especially the first couple listens, even after I got used to it, is there was a lot of fatigue. Like, it just mm -hmm. felt like I was just kind of slugging through songs. Um, yeah, it, th there was definitely some elements that I did like. Like, they incorporated, like, a lot of the dark wave synth stuff that yeah. I really like for some reason. Um, obviously, the Hands Like Houses mention is... Obvious because I love them, and I'm mm -hmm. I, I actually one of my tattoos now on my leg. <laughs> nice, yeah, no, I respect that. The other thing too that I really wanted to comment on, and we we really are seeing a lot of this in metalcore, and we really have been seeing this now for at least probably close to the last ten years. And you know, I, I can go back to quote, um, not really quote, but we can really point to kind of the catalyst that started it really was Tyler Carter and Woe Is Me, where it was bringing a lot more of the poppy R&B um, kind of vocal styles to cleans in the metalcore scene. Um, we, we've just been seeing that so much, and it's so prominent in that Bad Omens record. And while I, I appreciate a good tone and a good sound, it's just ha too much of it, it kind of kills it for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, just real quick, since we're starting to get a little long, and I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> Fair. Uh, two things I wanted to bring up for my hidden track this week. Um, first off, the week the Bad Omens released their album, Hammerfall also released their album, which is another power metal band that's kind of been a mainstay over the past, like, 40 years. Um, 
it's Hammerfall. It's exactly what you would expect. It's a fun listen. I don't know that I love it. Okay. But it, it's definitely a fun listen to, um, especially if you're a fan of kind of like that very powerful, high voice, anthemic kind of power metal. Typical power metal. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Like if if you're a fan of of Dio and uh, Dio. and Iron Maiden and Power Wolf and all those kind of mm-hmm. guys, like they're going to be for you. They're a lot of fun. Um yeah, that's that's really all I got to say on that. It, it's called a uh, Hammer of Dawn, uh, and that was also released on February twenty fifth, and that was released through Napalm Records uh, with uh, Handles GmbH, which I I believe is like the European thingy for it, because uh, they're from Europe. That's fair. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention was there is a new release that popped up on my uh, on my Apple Music that I've never heard of before, but it's called Colony Collapse, hmm. and it kind of is like reminiscent of like early twenty tens metalcore. Okay, um, it's pretty groovy. It was uh, released on the on March fourth of twenty twenty two. It's a just a five song EP, and it was released on Theoria Records. I've never heard of these guys before. I just I decided on a whim I'll listen to it because the uh, the album art looks kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll show you here, Matt. Oh, that's super sick. It, it's kind of like this weird, Honestly, like overgrown kind of thing. It with r- this. reminds me a little bit of the uh, album cover for Fit for an Autopsy's most recent album. Yeah, in kind of a way. I can kind of it, like similar art style. Yeah, and like it has like this ghost with the heart in a broken mirror kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was pretty cool. I'll, I pro- I'll probably listen to it again. I'm definitely interested. Yeah. But uh, that's really all I got for this week. Uh, Matt, what do you got? Yeah, uh, the only thing I've got this week is I was actually really surprised how much I ended up liking this song. It's uh, Bleed From Within dropped a new song uh, called Levitate. I really dug this. It's got a really good blend of the heavy portions as well as the soft portions. So, um, and the the uh, like clean portions were a little bit on the poppier side, but it really blended well. Um, Guitar work on it was fantastic. It's angry. It's I, I definitely plan to return to this song quite a bit, um, but I, I definitely recommend checking it out. For sure. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to mention here, and this is just purely based off of looks because I haven't listened to this yet. Um, there is a band called Coffin Feeder that released an EP. <laughs> it's called Stereo Homicide, and it looks like me- new metal mashed with death metal. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so um, they're, they're in the death metal, black metal category on Apple Music. I, I don't know what this sounds like, so uh, listen at your own discretion. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> but uh, that is all that we got for you guys today. We do appreciate you taking the time to listen. Um, since we didn't actually have an episode last week, I do want to actually announce this this week. Uh, we are going to be changing up the format on the show. hey So uh, instead of doing new records every single week, what uh, Matt and I have decided that we're going to do is um, we're, we're, so we're not going to stop reviewing new records, but we're going to do it in a lot more of a um, relaxed format, mm-hmm. I guess would be the best way to put it. So um, uh, there'll be two weeks out of a month where we, uh, we review a band. Um, so we go through their discography, talk about the band, go really in depth. And that, I feel like that's kind of what, when, what we really wanted to do when we first yeah. started the podcast, but it kind of became more of a slog learning about the individual album instead of actually going about the artist as a whole. And especially if an artist comes out with a bad album, like escape the fate, for example, or uh, a day to remember. Yeah. Then we're not having a, a bad impression of that band based off of one instance of their work. Mm-hmm. And so this will allow us to kind of be able to go into bands and really get to explore and enjoy them for the band that they are. Yeah. So uh, twice a month we're going to be doing that. We're going to be doing one uh, kind of a big heavy hitter one where we go really in-depth. Those are going to be a little bit longer of episodes. So like one month we may go into Metallica yeah. and, uh, and Van Halen. 
Iron Maiden, Corn, like Mega all these. Death. Yeah, the it, bi- the big legacy artists. It, exactly, artists that have been around for a while that people know they uh, acknowledge and like have had some sort of influence. That so we can really dive deep into those, and then we'll also be able to tackle some of the smaller artists. Excuse me, uh, some of the smaller artists mm-hmm. uh, with the second wig, just to alleviate some of the pressure on us to to yeah. do the research as we both work full time jobs and have other things going on mm-hmm. in the background. Um, so we'll be doing two of those a month, and then in between that is going to be kind of more in the lines of what we do here um, currently, except instead of really going in depth track by track, we're just going to be kind of doing what we do at the first top of the uh, top of the set where yeah. we talk about uh, how we like the album, uh, the musical impressions all of that kind of stuff, talk about a few different tracks, and then we don't have to limit ourselves to one album a week that we do a really deep dive, especially when we have things like happen, that happened on January 14th where we have four albums come out and so that we can uh, alleviate that for yeah. ourselves a little bit more. And I feel like this allows us to kind of have a little bit more encompassing look at what we wanted to yeah. actually do with the podcast. And the the best way to kind of describe like the format that you guys are going to see moving forward is the the band breakdowns are going to be more along the lines of like what our black metal episode was where we're able we're going to be able to really get into the history of the band mm-hmm. more. Um so just as kind of a frame of reference and really the kind of like album episodes that we're going to be doing is going to be a little bit more like that catch up episode we did where you know I decided to go and have a job that let me travel around and then i missed you know multiple weeks of the <laughs> podcast yeah so th- it's going to be kind of one of those things where it just allows us to really have more of like a conversation basis behind it mm-hmm. whereas the uh the band breakdowns are going to be a lot more research based so it just kind of gives us the best of both worlds where we can feel like we're having a conversation and then the weeks where we really want to dive into what the artists are and give our honest reviews and opinions on mm-hmm. on who they are and everything like that and we're we're both really excited about this because there's going to be episodes where we're going to be able to talk about bands that we hold in very high regards like you as you named metallica and van halen for me for you to some extent iron maiden um i'm sure we're going to jump into sabaton uh, well, gonna, i think we kind of have to <laughs> oh we have to and honestly like it's we're we're really excited about what's coming we're we're gonna have a blast of a time and we think you guys are really gonna enjoy it as well for sure so um keep your eyes out for that um I'm not going to tease what the first week is yet because oh I know yes. it, it's going to be it's going to be a good good time you guys are yeah, going to so get a kick out the of uh, it. the first uh, first episode of this uh, the new iteration of what we're going to be doing is going to be dropping on April first and uh, it legitimately is going to be dropping it's going to be a legitimate expectation of what we're going to be doing mm-hmm. even though it's happening on April first but it's just. It's going to be a good you, one. You'll, you'll have some fun yeah. with this one, guys. But that will do it for us today. We do appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. You can find us on a variety of social medias. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, that one, and TikTok. You guys think I would know this by now. Like, I do this almost every time. But <laughs> I almost said Twitter. I almost said Twitter. It's and I'm always like, the we're first not thing on comes, Twitter. I know. It's always the first thing that comes to my mind, too. I don't get it. Um, <laughs> please like, rate, subscribe to us on wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find us on a variety of different medias. And wherever you can find a podcast, you can probably find us at this point. I'm pretty sure I've got the, the things figured out that way. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing another pretty cool album uh, that I'm excited for. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it now. We're going to be doing the new Ghost album. Uh, it's going to be a super, ride. I'm super excited for it. So uh, until then, we will see you later. Catch you in the next one. Bye.